This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no e's dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. Hello, Transpersonal Radio listeners. I am so excited to have the guest that we have tonight. I can't wait to get to that. Before I start introducing our guest, I want to remind you to please make sure that you download our iPhone app or Android app. Make sure you're getting constant updates to the show so you're not missing out on anything. And please share Transpersonal Radio with your friends, with your family, with whomever you think might be interested in what we have to offer here because we have a lot of outstanding guests that take time out of their evening to spend time, share their stories, share their expertise, and and just let us know what's going on in the world of the paranormal, in the world of UFOs and alien contacts. And speaking of that, tonight we have a very special guest with us this evening. She's going to share with us her knowledge and experiences with extraterrestrial phenomena. Clinical hypnotherapist Lori McDonald owner of True You Hypnotherapy, is the founder and organizer of the Sacramento Alien Abduction and Contactee Support Group. She is a graduate of the Alchemical, excuse me, Alchemical Hypnotherapy Institute of Sacramento and was a teacher's assistant at the Alchemical Hypnotherapy Institute of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Lori is a graduate of the Dale Carnegie Effective Speaking and Human Relations courses, is a member of the Sacramento Institute of Noetic Sciences, and is on the mental health referral list for organizations such as OPUS, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, and MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. She has recently accepted an offer as a consultant to the research committee of the Edgar Mitchell Foundation and was a team member on the television series Experiencers. Lori is an ACHE accredited uh, hypnotherapist. She has been certified as a clinical hypnotherapist since 1995. Her life's passion has been working with alien contactee experiencers, helping them gain a better understanding of their experiences and learning how to navigate the changes that alien contact has created in their lives. She teaches life skills for self-actualization and conducts personal empowerment workshops. True You Hypnotherapy has been a three-time winner of the Sacramento's Best of Award for Hypnotherapy Services. In 2015, Lori gave a presentation on the extraterrestrial phenomena at UFOCon in Sacramento, California. In that presentation, Lori explained that if you have ever experienced face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact with an extraterrestrial, know that you are not alone. Lori has shared intimate, actual, first-hand experiences of abductees and contactees, and she says when you or someone you love has had an ET experience, reality is altered, consciousness expands, and lives are changed forever. Lori, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. 
Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. You have an extensive resume and you have so many things going on. I just want to say I really appreciate you taking time. I know you're so busy. You are involved in in uh, MUFON, which is now, um, uh, tell me that that's changed now. It's, it's no longer MUFON in your area. Well, no, I'm up in more Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, the One of the chapters in Southern California is now UPARS. So they UPARS. have blended ufology with paranormal sightings and so forth. Outstanding. And you are a member of the Sacramento Institute of Noetic Sciences. You're also uh, on the health preferral list for Opus, which is so important, and you're you've just become a consultant, um, and this is uh, going towards scientific research for the Edgar Mitchell Foundation. Fantastic. That's correct. I'm also now on the board of directors for Opus, and I will be doing. I'm on the mental health referral list for free. And with MUFON, that's an amazing referral list. There's only 27 of us on it in the United States that are on the MUFON referral list for extraterrestrial regression work. So it's it's an honor to be on that list. That is an honor. That is absolutely an honor. And, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but just for the audience who may not know, when we're talking about uh, Edgar Mitchell's FREE, that is the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. Now, one of the things that I find really interesting that I've been ruminating on quite a bit is in your experience with now you've studied thousands of cases in UFO sightings and uh, alien or ET contact. When do you think, Lori, the shift really started happening from having alien contact or UFO sightings being a fringe event or something that, you know, okay, whatever, to being more widely accepted, more mainstream? Well, there is a gradual transition into an overall social acceptance of the phenomena, but I think that the change really began when the spiritual aspect of UFOlogy made it a little bit more acceptable. In other countries, UFOlogy and the sightings of uh, UFOs and having relationships with extraterrestrials is rather common. I mean, there are significant differences in geographic location and culture when a witness or an abductee expresses their experience. Mm. So so we have to kind of understand where they're coming from. If, if somebody in Norway has an extraterrestrial experience, there's a high probability that it'll be with a Nordic looking extraterrestrial. However, somebody in South America, they have more creature type sightings, uh, Chucabra and so forth, where they're more animalistic. So North America's is where we get the gray sightings. So different. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, and you bring up a good point. And, and that was actually one of my questions that I wanted to kind of dive into, which is, uh, first of all, how a person's already uh, preconceived notions or their filters or their existing experiences, uh, their cultural beliefs, the stories they've heard growing up or what they've been exposed to growing up, sort of influencing or impacting what their experience is like. Well, it certainly is going to have an an influence, but that applies to everything in our Mm -hmm. lives. 
so uh, we are products of our environment and the subconscious mind enjoys repetition and it's also where it goes to for its first source of information. So if a person has a sighting and they've heard one story, then they're naturally going to relate it to that story. That's human nature. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be part of that. But with this phenomena, I think that there is a real need for people to get the opportunity to express their story from a place that is just their own truth, mm -hmm. you know, their emotional reaction and how it happened to them. And I think that because there's that desire and, and ex there, it's creating a larger acceptability, just more people are taking that chance and discussing their experiences more freely. And other people are going, well, hey, you know, that happened to me or a member of my family or a neighbor down the street or mm -hmm. one time when we were camping, we all saw a UFO or something like that. So we all have our own experience. So, but with filters, I mean, if a apparition or entity wants to have some type of legitimate communication with a human being, they're going to approach them in what's most acceptable for that. If they're very religious, say Catholic, maybe they'll appear as the Virgin Mary or perhaps even Jesus. Okay, that's excellent. I'm so glad you brought that up. That is so fascinating. I want to ask your opinion of this because you're hitting on something that I talk about often. When I am uh, talking about uh, mediumship, talking about channeling, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in just a bit as well. Uh, however, when I'm talking about connecting with disembodied spirits, connecting with spirits who are in ethereal form or, or that spirit energy, I often talk a lot about how angel energy or demon energy or alien energy or spirit guide energy or even witch energy, we're basically all talking about the same thing. We're talking about the same energy, but we're trying to label it in a way that we understand that particular experience. We're trying to put something into a human vernacular in a way that we can communicate with one another and tell a story, but we're actually talking about the same thing. Yeah, we, we are. I mean, because everything is energy. Mm -hmm. But because all energy is different and has different frequencies, mm -hmm. then they're going to resonate or harmonize with likes. So if your a, a intention is to manipulate and maybe some of the darker energies, maybe some aspects of witchcraft or Satanism, or any self-serving type of ritual, then you would attract that type of energy. But then there are those who have experiences that are truly altruistic, loving, and they don't know what type of entity it is. It's mm -hmm. because they can't, for one, see it clearly. Or two, they can't process that highest vibration that we're just not capable of doing that in our limited ability of interpreting our environment through our own six senses. But after phenomena and after increasing your own personal vibration, you can move into a more expanded consciousness where your reality is no longer limited and your perception is no longer limited. So you're more up and outside of the body. And I believe that this happens in the gamma brainwave. It's resonating at the highest frequency. And 
during this time, a human being could have bursts of inspiration. And we know that just means to be in spirit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all energy. It's all energy. But other entities, sentient and non, know how to manipulate energy. And we have to be very careful. And what we think or thoughts are extraordinarily powerful. Yes. because of collected consciousness, we're going to get that type of energy. We have to be very careful. You know, the third dimension, that's what it's all about. You know, time is very slow here. We have the opportunity to learn about our thoughts and our emotional energy, our emotions, so that we can have equanimity and balance. But we have to do this from the strongest energy, which is the cardio-electromagnetic energy, which is the heart. It's love. Yes, absolutely. So uh, now, Lori, were you always open to paranormal phenomena even as a child? Was this something that was (laughs) in your world, or is this something that happened later? Well, apparently it's been uh, a part of my world even in utero, I had found out uh, right around the age of 50 that my birth mother had been uh, subjected to a series of extraterrestrial phenomena in abduction for uh, multiple times through each month of her pregnancy with me. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. And I've been doing this for decades. (laughs) Wow. So you were, you, now, okay, let me, so I want, I want to hear more about this story. I just want to ask a question though, because that's, that's amazing. So when you learned of this at age 50, did, did you all of a sudden go, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense when this or that happened, you look back on your past, right? And and you're thinking, now, now I understand why this happened. Now I understand why that happened. Was this like an aha moment for you where where you you just said, okay, now, now it makes sense. Well, everything always did make sense to me at a certain age, right about 30. I had a huge leap in my understanding and growth. And um, I was really, really privileged to have had some amazing spiritual experiences that have really forever altered me and allowed me to see things differently. And I felt for people deeply who had um, these extraterrestrial experiences or the young women who were saying that uh, eggs were taken from them or then they were later brought on a ship and saw hybrid children and sometimes they were repelled or sometimes they loved them. Mm -hmm. But, But sometimes at a later date, they wanted their babies back. You know, you know, but then there were the women that could never talk about their experience, which was my mother. She only told um, her doctor. And after telling him several times, this is back in 1963, Mm -hmm. he told her, you know, you just need to shut it down right now and stop talking about it or we're going to put you in the psych ward. Mm, Yes, I can imagine, especially back then, that was not something that was acceptable to, to talk about. Not at all. And so um, she never talked about it again. And then she saw a TV show that I had done and said, oh, she's got to know the story of her birth and contacted me and said, hey, she's in Canada and 
I'm here in the United States. And she said, uh, listen, you, you should really know this. So it's very funny that I run this support group, you know, for people right, to give right. them an opportunity to speak their truth when she had to hold a secret for 50 years. Wow. Wow. So now how and how fascinating is that, Lori, because you were already drawn to this field, you were already helping people in this area, you were running a support group for this very thing. And at that time, you didn't really know your birth story. Not at all. She didn't raise me. Oh, my goodness. So, so it was even more of of like, wow. (laughs) Right. Yeah, she she never raised me. Okay. So (laughs) now did she, when she was explaining the alien contact with her while she was pregnant with you, did this, did this have an effect on you directly? Well, she said that um, the extraterrestrials that she had her experience with told her that their interest was only in her baby. Oh my. Yeah. And uh, so that actually did kind of create a bit of a problem because I reminded her of these experiences and of this story that if she told she was going to be, you know, sent away to a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. And since I was a baby that didn't drink the breast milk or cow milk or goat milk or I was difficult, apparently. So, yeah, raised, you know, an eyebrow. (laughs) Yeah, but so so she contacted me and I put her on speakerphone and my husband and I sat down and <clears throat> listened to her story and she <laughs> told a good story and there was a lot of it that I could identify with that I've heard from other experiencers. She said some things that really stand out that uh, really legitimate experiencers speak of. So it was um, very interesting. Very interesting. So I did ask her at the end, you know, <laughs> what what is your take of this? You know, what do you think mm-hmm. is going on? I said, are you telling me that you think I'm a hybrid? And, you know, right. what, what's up with that? And while well, she, being in her 70s, didn't even know what a hybrid was. And so she wasn't saying anything like that. <laughs> she was just simply saying that um, I was special, she thought. And, um, and she was, was, yeah, she, she wasn't really sure herself, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was afraid to tell her story for a long time. But so what I did do was I put her in touch with the producer of the TV show experiencers and I allowed them to talk all summer and he interviewed her and he talked and we said, Hey, you know, I'm part of free, this wonderful organization and, Mm -hmm. You know, their whole mission is to really, you know, talk to the people, let them speak and gather the information, put it mm-hmm. together and find the truth here. And I said, how about, you know, we put my mom on the, on the show and give her her moment. You know, she's been silent for such a long time. Let's mm-hmm. let her speak. And he thought it was a great idea and she agreed to do it. And we were getting ready to go ahead with it. And I got a call from Canada, and she had uh, suffered a brain aneurysm oh, and no. a stroke, and she was unable to speak. Mm. She is, which I thought, no, no, <laughs> that was really pushing it at that point. I was like, hmm, that's a bit much to take, but uh, these things do happen. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I went to Canada directly and 
she survived it and she's still working with a speech therapist. I totally plan on bringing her to one of the experiencer UFO conferences here in Sacramento mm-hmm. to give her, you know, 15 minutes on the stage, let her tell her story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally get it out. Absolutely. So now that's what, so since you brought up uh, the television show Experiencers, now there was quite a bit of a kerfuffle around that whole, it's almost like there was intervention all along the way to prevent this from getting out. Absolutely. The the, uh, trailer for the TV show Experiencers um, aired on September the 7th, and I believe Seven nights later, uh, Jim O'Connell, the producer, went to bed healthy with his wife and did not wake up. Oh, my goodness. And um, so there was obviously no show at at this point. This happened in September. He was, we were really given no explanation. Um, The headlines actually in the Dark Matter News said that it was, uh, you know, experiencer group leader and TV Producer Jim O'Connell mysteriously dies in his sleep. My goodness. Wow. I know. I mean, it's just every chance she gets to, you know, she was going to, she did tell me after 50 years and then, you know, the, she was going to do the show, then mm-hmm. the stroke. And so we'll, we're just trying to figure it out. So we'll get an opportunity. And then I just cannot believe that uh, the loss of Jim is huge. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's very much missed. Now, Lori, you are certified for hypnotic regression for behavioral modification, clinical hypnotherapy, and alien abduction regression. You're actually certified in this. And I can imagine that that's a very particular specialized area because you have to be able to determine a true event from, say, a mental illness or something else going on. For example, one of the things that uh, I noticed with this, when I talk about near-death experiences and I talk about walk-ins, I give the information about how you tell the difference between a true paranormal experience such as a walk-in versus multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder. So we have to look at the mundane first. We have to rule out anything that might be going on as far as a mental illness or something to, of that nature and then understand what's really happening. So I'm, I'm guessing that it's probably very similar in the field of hypnotherapy. You have to be careful of what is uh, a true experience versus something else going on. Would that be accurate? It is absolutely accurate. Um, we also want to rule out uh, auditory hallucinations or any of the symptoms of schizophrenia or mm-hmm. any type of psychosis. Mm-hmm. But And then we have to establish a protocol so that we can identify what voices somebody's hearing. But, you know, we have to be very careful. How is one to know, mm-hmm. you know? whether it's paranormal, extraterrestrial, celestial, demonic. We're not quite sure. There are other means of getting a voice into somebody's head, uh, psychotronics and radioonics, the use of uh, scalar energy. These are absolutely proven ways Mm. for mind control. Mm. So if a person is schizophrenic, does that even necessarily exclude them? Right, exactly. 
right? They still can have a legitimate experience. Right. Well, and we talk about in, in paranormal circles, we talk about how it's uh, a possibility that the label that they're given with the DSM, you That's know, right. now we're the DSM-5, the label we give them as schizo- uh, schizophrenic might just actually be the label that we give them. However, they may actually be hearing voices or seeing apparitions in having a true paranormal well, experience. They are hearing them, okay, and they are seeing them. They're not making that part up. Yes. What we're trying to determine is whether it's delusional yes. or actual. <laughs> so Correct. Exactly. It is very difficult. you got to walk a fine line, mm-hmm. but there are other ways to tell. You can see in the person's other behavior, so you have to sort of broaden the intake interview, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And not every person who's come to me thinking that they've had an extraterrestrial experience has. Mm. Some of them have legitimately been schizophrenic. Others have been simply delusional. And others have just misinterpreted lucid dreaming. Aha. That's a big one. Okay. that's now. So that's interesting to me because that was one of my curiosities is sort of how you tell these different uh, situations, little, like, like little telltale signs, and how you were able to... to Say okay, you definitely have had an experience. You are you just are a very active lucid dreamer, for example. Well, you know, in this phenomena, we do have the ability to gather empirical or physical evidence. People have had extraterrestrial implants. Mm. They've been removed. They've been sent to a laboratory and analyzed, and mm. it comes back that the. The implant is indeed extraterrestrial, made of substance not found on our Earth. Interesting. Okay, so, so that's great. So that was, uh, th- thank you for saying that. That was one of my questions as well, was that I've had in general. And, and uh, so I just want your opinion on it. So when I'm, so here's the thing for me. And um, as every time I talk about UFOs or, or anything like this, I'm kind of like Fox Mulder. You know, I want to believe. Um, uh, in reality, I happen to be, uh, a skeptic in the true sense of the word, meaning I have an open mind and I'm, I want to see evidence and I want to learn about it. However, I've always fallen into the camp of, you know, it's more of a government cover-up or government experiments or that kind of thing, right? So um, with the implants, and, and we, we and now I know you have CT scans that have shown implants and so on. So one of my questions has always been, well, how do you, how do you tell it's not just a government experiment or the government is implanting these people? Um, but you're saying that you have materials that have it, it been... very well could be. Yeah. I mean, there's some of that as well. Yeah. Um, now, the materials... But you're saying that you found some or you, you've you um, spoken with people who've had implants and they are of materials that isn't known. That's correct. Okay. Fascinating. And so can you... Yeah, t- Opus now has a new doctor, um, a new board of directors, and sorry, I cannot think of his name at the moment we're both new <laughs> and uh, he will be able to do uh, extraterrestrial implant removal so nice i'm very excited about that and you see at a lot of these ufo conferences and so forth they have different scanning methods to mm-hmm. see if they can detect one I, i'm not sure i don't know of the legitimacy of that i can't really speak to that because i'm not sure how they operate sure but but i have yes had people with implants and there is lots of uh, information out there for the researchers and it does it does really indicate that um, when these implants are trying to be removed when they're attempting to remove them the implants respond oh. they, 
they retreat. They move away from the uh, surgical instrument. Now, I have an abductee. He had his first experience at the age of 10, and he is in his 80s, and he began to come to the support group about uh, three years ago. He, I have his CAT scans from UC Davis Medical Center here in uh, Northern California. Mm-hmm. And there is some type of metallic object in his brain. There's no entry wound. No, we don't know for sure uh, that this particular one is extraterrestrial because it hasn't been able to be removed or examined because of where it is. Mm-hmm. But he has two others. Um, he said initially there was a bit of a scoop mark behind his knee. And there was one closer up into the fold of his leg near the groin. And over the years, they're moving together. So they're both about mid-thigh right now. And I have filmed them. And I've also photographed them. And I've also touched them and pushed on them to try to get an imprint of their shape Mm -hmm. on my thumb. Because they move. Wow. And he said that his instincts tell him that when they meet, when they get together and touch that he feels that that'll be it for him he will die Mm. so he believes that when these two implants get together they die and so with that he had asked me and given me permission to film his body post-mortem to verify this for him wow that is fascinating now speaking of that what has been the most convincing case that you've ever been exposed to the one that really turned you around and you went wow there's something going on here I'm going to just say it was my own initial experience that I had had decades ago, an extraterrestrial, the face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact. Wow. So, okay, I can't wait to hear this. So, now, how old were you uh, in your teens, early 20s? No, 29. 29, okay. Mm-hmm. And I had been very intrigued Uh, with ufology Mm -hmm. and I had been doing some investigative work I had started setting up some cameras on the outskirts of Sacramento here off of old highway 16 out in the farm areas because I had seen something Mm -hmm. and I wanted to catch what I had seen I'd seen like an orange orb but um, there are other things that were in the sky so I wanted to know but one night after videotaping what could have been a UFO, I don't know for sure, just looks like one, but uh-huh. I can't say definitively. I had gone home and uh, children were asleep. My husband was asleep. I remember sitting down on the uh, edge of my bed and then just a kind of a white light bursting into the room, just like seemingly out of thin air. And there, were three of the small gray extraterrestrials. Now, I've been doing a little research. I felt that I was psychologically prepared for such an encounter, right. and I, I did. Uh, and I didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking, yes, haven't we all been there? We're thinking, oh, we, we've got this. We're ready for this. And then and then it happens. <laughs> right, and then it happens. And that was pretty cool. I'm going to say I was totally calm. And I looked in at each of them and realized, oh, yes, this is for real. It took me a minute, though, to get to that aspect, because at first I felt like I was a little bit time 
disoriented. Mm-hmm. And I, as I really deliberately focused and controlled my mind, I could clearly see them standing in front of me. And because they didn't communicate with me, and I said something to them, two of them kind of barely like looked at towards each other. And all of a sudden, that scared me. Because mm. it's like they weren't ready for me. I think they didn't realize that I had become completely conscious. And that really worried me. I looked down and when I really had a close look at the hand, got to tell you, freaked me right out. Wasn't expecting that. I don't know why. But because of the shape of the hand, it really threw me. And then instantaneously, just as it all began, a taller gray appeared became closer to me and in its hand about 12 inches long was like almost like the shape of a chopstick Uh, was a needle and he came towards me and I freaked out and pulled my one leg in towards the bed and kicked as hard as I could and was fully prepared to fight to my death and I remember nothing after my second kick, just completely, I'm going to, I would say that I blacked out, but I didn't black out because I remember everything turning white again. It was more of a whiteout. Wow. And I totally lost consciousness. And when I had woke up, I was in excruciating pain in my lower left area. And I did have to go to the hospital and have it checked out. And I had a big hernia I had tore through the abdominal muscles oh my goodness it ripped them open when I was fighting and I really was fighting for my life and they asked me what happened you know all I could tell the doctor was that I'd had a nightmare because I wasn't prepared to tell them what I believed my truth to be right wow and so I felt that that was a very negative experience to be my you know what I would consider my first face-to-face you know with the gray extraterrestrial I'd I'd seen other things in my earlier youth but uh, nothing that made me scared so that's a good point as well why is it you think some people have very negative interaction with alien beings while others report having really positive I think some people are more easily manipulated than others, to be Mm. honest with you. I'm going to just tell you that. I do think that some people become more compliant. Some people maybe think they are dreaming. You have to, you know, from where I'm sitting, it looks like the extraterrestrials are far superior when, as far as technology goes. Mm -hmm. And I think that they have the ability to manipulate our brainwaves. I think that just like a hypnotherapist counting down her subject is manipulating their brain waves and altering their conscious states and taking their brain out of beta and moving it in between alpha and theta so that we're opening the subconscious mind. If I can do that, right. I certainly believe that they can do that and so that they can manipulate people. But There are those people who refuse, you know, and I got scared and I'm glad 
and because that made me even more conscious and aware and so it was a very negative experience but i will say i'm not telling you the whole complete story there is more to it but uh prior to me becoming a hundred percent lucid uh, to the right of me uh to the right side of me i did hear my name being called out and when i turned my attention towards that area saw sort of a silhouette of three entities um they spoke extremely fast and high-pitched and they were vibrated in the shades of a violet as if a fluorescent violet oh wow and and they told me to focus and control and that really did allow me to control my mind to understand the situation that I'd had myself in. Okay. So so while this was happening, there were the three grays in front of you and then also the sort of violet uh, yeah. figures with you as well. So do you think those were like guardian angels or, or some kind of... of... I spent a, over two years seriously trying to figure out what they are. I mean, it's not the first... Um, uh, interference they ran for me hmm. and they actually I've had when I say when I said earlier that I had a very profound spiritual experience it did involve these same entities and I don't oh. know what they are don't know hmm. if they're angelic hmm. or if they're etheric or mm -hmm. celestial I only know that um, in their presence I feel nothing but uh, full acceptance and pure, unconditional love. And I know that there is still a bit of a communication barrier because when I do and can speak with them, there, there are mistakes like misinterpretation mm. of simple words. At one point, they told me I had passed and I thought that I had died and thought that what I was experiencing was a near-death experience, but in fact, it was just a very fantastic out-of-body experience. Wow. And passing at all had nothing to do with death. And so there was that, you know, there's always that little bit of amusement. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> communication. It's always right. about communication. So let, let's talk about Edgar Mitchell Foundation for a moment, uh, research into extra, uh, foundation for research into extraterrestrial encounters. Now, Edgar Mitchell was an Apollo 14 astronaut, and he co-founded Free, the foundation. And you are an interviewer for the foundation now. You just recently became a researcher for their scientific board. So tell us more about that exciting development and what Free actually does and all that good stuff. Well, Free, like you said, is the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. And the board members are made up of an interdisciplinary plethora of scientists from all aspects of the scientific community, from social scientists such as sociologists and psychologists to physicists like Dr. Rudy Shield, other doctors like Dr. Edgar Mitchell himself, several other uh, Apollo astronauts. And the one commonality that all of these highly educated, extremely reputable people share and everybody who has anything to do with the association is we all share one thing in that we are experiencers wow everybody fascinating Good. now the scientific board that you sit on and you have these physicists you have the astronauts you have you have different scientists you have physicians so the, the very goal of what you're doing is to research share, 
share and research information. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm new to that and I haven't got to sit on any board yet with the scientific aspect. Uh, I have had uh, two recent meetings with Ray Hernandez and others and, and other branch of free is creating the support groups and bringing that attention globally to the issue of extraterrestrial presence and interaction with humanity, bringing that to light, giving people opportunities to come forward and be free, speak freely. And with that, the information, when it's given, you know, from a point where they're not hysterical any longer mm -hmm. and they are more personally empowered a larger understanding, we can see that it's very clear that surely there are extraterrestrial existence and presence. And when we begin to understand physics and astrophysics and how life is created, we can see that there is life everywhere that we look. It's only natural I mean, I, to my, it's my understanding that the planet Earth is a garden planet in a series of garden planets and that we are, in fact, a, a very integral part of our universe. So we don't just float out here in space. We do that in conjunction with our sun and moon and the mm -hmm. other planets in our solar system. It's very interactive. All the way through, there are different densities and gases, and life in almost every aspect. And so other sentient beings, by all means. And I say it, I wish we could prove it more readily. Although uh, NASA, no, I'm sorry, not NASA. I believe um, uh, one of the Ivy League schools just came forward stating that most likely there is extraterrestrial life and it's it's going to be found in our own solar system or universe. It's going to be found uh, in the red dwarf star systems. And so for that, it's outside of our ability to see outside of our natural spectrum, but not outside of our technology. So if we were to look up into the sky and see a star, there's three or four planets and stars around that that we don't see and those are called the red dwarf star systems and they move at a different frequency outside of our vision they have like a longer wave than mm. we have so they're moving you know but it's all science and math the whole phenomena really is anyway i mean us here in the third dimension you know mm -hmm. we, we know what's going on we are know our time is fixed we can't we can't go into the past the past is already gone we can't go to the future we can only project it we can go to the past only in the mind mm -hmm. the mind itself must be able to move into other dimensions i personally believe that our consciousness our essence our soul resides both inside of us and outside mm -hmm. of us and that gives us the ability to move out of our body having out-of-body experiences and therefore moving into greater depths of space right Exactly. There are now, no limits. Now, one of the other really interesting aha moments I had was uh, when when I talk about I talk a lot about near death experiences. I've I've had several near death experiences of my own, and I give a lot of workshops and uh, speaking engagements around this concept. 
I talk a lot about how post-NDE or near-death experience, there has been marked increase in ESP phenomenon. So psychic ability, clairvoyant skills, um, being able to see apparitions, uh, lucid dreaming, that sort of thing. And there have been actual in peer-reviewed journals, there have been actual scientific studies who show beyond chance, market increase in psychic phenomena in six different areas after someone has an NDE. Now, what I just learned about you and from you that I'd like you to share is that apparently there's an increase in ESP psychic phenomena post-alien abduction or extraterrestrial contact interactions. So share that with us. That's absolutely correct. I believe it's a very high statistic, up about 86% of experiencers report an increase in their psychism, whether it's through intuition or any of the other senses. And it's because I think that when you are in contact with a different reality, your reality is challenged mm-hmm. and you accept this reality, your consciousness therefore must expand into this new reality. And with that, a little bit higher vibration, channels are open, we're vibrating a little bit faster. And when we do that, we are moving into that gamma vibration. And that is where our inspiration and psychism resides. Outstanding. And for Now, here's something that's been really interesting also is the ability to engage in telepathy. Now, I know in uh, near-death experience, when that's actually occurring, telepathy is occurring with other beings. I also have experienced being able to engage in telepathy with other people, just, you know, in physical form, but practicing, you're able to actually engage in telepathy and also being able to connect with disembodied spirits while doing mediumship, there's that's a level of, of telepathy. So what is your experience around telepathy and your both personal experience and your professional experience in dealing with thousands of cases of abductees? How does telepathy come into the picture? Well, most communication is described to me as being telepathic communication, So when an experiencer is communicating, they say that it's telepathic. Now, this would be abductees and other contactees. There are those who fall into a different category Mm. of interaction where they're willing to participate in some type of a relationship with an extraterrestrial, and they speak using their vocal cords like we do. Wow. And that the extraterrestrials do as well. Uh, They said that there are some that are very similar to us in biology. The tall whites uh, were said to have learned English. These are the extraterrestrials that uh, Charles Hall writes about that lived in a barracks on one of the military bases and Indian Springs, I believe. And that, you know, these, they can look like us. They look very close to us. There are some differences. Some people say they're more um, illuminescent, that there's a bit of a glow to Mm. them, but they can cover that with clothing and so forth. So Mm. now how many, speaking of, of whites, how many, so we have the grays, we have, I know uh, reptilians, whites, how many types of alien species are you aware of? 
Well, I've heard of all types, you know. Um, when you look at the ancient aliens, they talk about the Anunnaki that mm-hmm. came down. down. Um, now, there's supposed to be some descendants of them, which are called the Naga, and they went under water, under the sea. And so they're kind of an aquatic extraterrestrial, um, but now they're submersed in the oceans. There's, yes, of course, the reptilians and then hybrids of reptilians, mm. the, the mantis beings and the tall grays. And then there are some small blues that are described as looking kind of like a gnome, very uh, awkward and squat, like a gnome or dwarf. Mm. And they are blue. So there are many. Um, and then there are the ones that the Nordics that look very much like a humanoid, just a, a tad taller, but fair haired skin and eyes. Fascinating. So they can easily blend into our society. Of course, one of the more famous stories of the Nordics was Shirley MacLaine. Right. Yeah, she said she was visiting um, Peru and was up high in the mountains at uh, Lake Titicaca and had a face-to-face interaction with a Nordic being. And they told her that they were Nordic beings. And the interesting thing about that area, and I'm sure that's why she was there, is that the indigenous people from that region see UFOs moving in and out of the lake all the time, and they really don't think anything of it. So there you go with the cultural uh, aspect again, because... What right. right? Because to them, they're like, "Oh yeah, it happens all the time. No big deal." And Just someone... like another bus. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. So let's talk a little bit more about the different categories of of contact experiencers because you mentioned something earlier that caught my attention, which was uh, there's a difference between an abduction and a contactee. Right, for sure. Um, an abduction is being taken against your will. And like a thief in the night, these extraterrestrials come and take people from their bedrooms or their homes or their cars on a, you know, quiet, deserted road, mm-hmm. you know, and that is violating human rights right. on all levels. And then there are those who oh, are, I want to have an extraterrestrial experience. Abduct me, they say, mm. which I think is really the wrong thing to right. do. Right. Really watch what you ask for. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But but then contactees, um, they receive information either being received somewhat like a download into their mind. Mm -hmm. And it comes rapid and fast and they understand it and it's clear. But later there's sort of an emotional uh, residual effect of the information. It's processed so quickly that it takes the body and the emotions to catch up to it a little bit. Download can be very shocking. And again, we have to ask, hey, does an extraterrestrial or any source have the right to download information into our heads without Mm -hmm. our expressed permission? Right. I I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can, I I really don't believe that that's the way it's supposed to be done. And so they're part of the protocol in determining whether or not um, an entity of any level is safe is how they treat you. 
So we have to look at that. If they come to you and they call you by name right off the bat when they use your name, I'm whatever anybody comes and the first thing they say is they call me by name. That's always a clue to me. And I always really underline that in my notes because that keeps popping up in my research. So that when they're called by name, I can already see that they're going to be having a beautiful, altruistic, loving experience. And through that approach is a way of asking uh, permission. Mm. And so they, you call them by name, you're addressed and it's, you know, when they do that, though, they kind of get the feeling they, they know you, they know your right, name. Right. Well, and, it, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that can kind of go either way, right? But I guess if uh, if a being were going to take the time to get to know my name and address me by name, then that's, in a way, it's a sign of respect. And it's it's acknowledging it you as an as an individual and not just some number or, or a lab rat or whatever, right? So Right. And, um, and they gauge your response to mm-hmm. that, okay? And then they'll ask questions. They ask questions. Are you afraid? Do mm. you want to see? Do you want to come with us? Mm. You know, and it's if you're saying yes, yes, and yes, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's all good. But when one comes in and takes you and begins to perform an experiment or remove tissue, mm-hmm. but that's not all they do. I mean, there are two totally separate types of uh, physical abduction they, there's a sexual aspect, and then there's the removing of genetics. But there's also this psychological uh, testing that's done to many contactees that really pushes them to the limit, pushes them to the edge of reality and beyond. And they're really put in a situation of questioning, you know, am I crazy? Is this mm-hmm. real? Is, can it be true? Yeah. And, 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 you know, we have to be fair here. All experiences of any anomalous behavior, any type of paranormal or extraterrestrial behavior, they're going to react on one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do need to be looked at from a compassionate point. Yep. And they're going to be adjusting their own personal belief systems. And with that... We can cause great anxiety and stress and perhaps even a nervous breakdown when somebody comes to the conclusion, oh, my God, aliens are real. Okay, so we don't ever want to shock anybody's personal beliefs and push them too hard. We have to be very careful. And so when you see an entity behaving like that with us to make sure that they're not creating some type of psychological scarring or harm and that we are in fact able to communicate this way safely, then you proceed. But when there's a violation of your personal mind, body and space, and you're never given a clear explanation as to why, I mean, I am very emotional on certain levels and I can feel their fear when they tell me and and their heightened anxiety and their distorted belief because they're moved through a wall with an extraterrestrial and hey that's not the physics we learned in school right (laughs) 
<laughs> no, quite quite the contrary, actually. Right. It's, it can be very hard. And that's why I am a hypnotherapist that works in this field of anomalous happenings mm. so that people can get a little bit of guidance mm -hmm. and personal empowerment. I, I love that. It's so important because you're right. It, whether it's a paranormal experience, whether it's a near-death experience, whether it's an alien contact experience, this alters someone's complete reality of what they believe to be true. And so there most certainly are going to be ramifications and repercussions for that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of... Things like, like, is God real? They ask that sure. right away. Everything they've ever been taught now is up for question. It's a, it's subject to scrutiny, absolutely. Now, and there's also something that you refer to as post-abduction syndrome. What are some of the signs and symptoms of that, and how do you help people work through that? Well, it's all of the signs and symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. The clear difference is that often with an abductee, they don't remember all of the details of the experience and it's fragmented and unclear and they're not even sure what they believe. But somebody who's experiencing a other regular post-traumatic stress disorder, it's very clear maybe their home burnt down or they lost their job sure. or they were a victim in the housing scandal or, or some something like mm -hmm. nature. So they could, or they were a war victim. Put your finger on it easily, but when it's more anomalous behavior, it makes it a little bit more difficult because they don't really know why, you know, they're freaking out on certain levels. And so, but when we see what their triggers are and their triggers are you know, a poster of a gray alien, say, mm -hmm. or, or any glimpse or talk of that uh, phenomena and they become reactive, they become Often they get stuck on hyper alertness mm. and they have trouble sleeping. So we see very many of the same symptoms. And, and this post-abduction stress uh, syndrome was coined by a, a psychiatric nurse by the name of Rose Harsgrove. And uh, she did the work and put together this syndrome to make it easier for others to identify. Okay. We really are moving forward in the acceptance level and credibility of this. It's sad on one hand that it's taken so long mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it, it hasn't taken this long everywhere, okay? This, like uh, all aspects of it, is cultural. There are many countries who have no problem Believing, and it is part of their belief system, the existence of extraterrestrials or uh, jinn, mm -hmm. de mm -hmm. demons or angels, and ghosts. Of course, there's a spirit world. And you know what? There is a doctor by the name of Sam Perrotin, and he does studies on people who have had near-death experiences. And he worked with over 100 of them and who have died, and they have been brought back not all of them can remember their experience but that's not the important part here the science is the important part and he, they're able to measure the leaving of an energy after the body is 
dead and then that energy coming back and so we're looking at we're proving that there is a soul absolutely consciousness. that's right and and when we accept that okay that we can live outside of our body and still have awareness that we have to really begin to see the trifecta of our existence you know yes. in in the body and we're manifested in the third dimension or or that's where our attention is when our attention is higher and we're in the more spirit form and we're out of body we're living in that aspect and there is a balancer in between you which is the mind okay processing this the mind and body this is all very interesting how it works but when we get a good idea of what and who we are we really begin to see reality in the universe and consciousness from a different level you know human being a human being has never meant more ever in history right now you know hue is a word for the saturation of light mm. intensity of light and man is for manifestation and a human is a light embodiment and when you know what you are you can really lift some of those limitations of what you're supposed to be or act like you don't have to go i'm a i'm a woman or a mother or whatever you don't have to identify yourself in those areas when you understand your humanity begin to see that you work at a much larger scale and that the body itself it's just an antenna mm -hmm. interpreting our environment. That's Absolutely. all it is, feeding my consciousness mm -hmm. as I'm having this 3D experience. That's exactly right. Let's talk about past lives for a moment, Lori, because this is something that I've been curious about as well. So uh, in relation to uh, alien contacts, when we talk about past lives, there is a theory out there that people have had past lives on other planets, have been other beings, non-human beings on other planets. Do you think that may be a connection to someone having an alien encounter in this lifetime that they have perhaps in a past life lived on another planet or been a non-human? So now there's sort of that that silver cord, if you will, between that experience and this experience. I guess, uh, wh what do you think about that? And do you think that lends a reason why some people have alien experiences while other people never do? Well... Because alien experiences are so varied and there's such a wide variety of witnesses, you know, we're always getting a different perspective of it. But when we look at abduction in family and we see that it's generational and that they would abduct the same family member over and over, we go, well, why is that? Is it their DNA or their blood type? In fact, you know, it's probably both because we do see that. Uh, abductees are most likely going to have an RH negative blood type, and that is just the common facts of the statistics. So there's that. But then we also have been able to determine that gray extraterrestrials are roughly 100,000 years more advanced than us, and that they live to be about eight, 900, 1,000 years old. And then they die much like we do. And there's much said that they don't have that essence, that consciousness, mm. that eternal ability. That's why they're coming and abducting, trying to create a hybrid where they'll be able to take their gray being 
energy and mix it with ours so that they can live on eternally through our own soul and consciousness. But, mm -hmm. but so they, there's that aspect of it. So can, you know, you be a family member of them, perhaps you can, and there's some type of etheric filament energy attachment that would make them drawn to you based on, you know, the laws of likes attract likes that's mm -hmm. possible. Or maybe there's a, the ancestral blood memories running through their very veins. Yeah, in, fascinating. In their DNA, you know, I've said that there are like 22.2 subspecies of gray alien alone. And wow. we, we have 22.2 weird missing links in mm -hmm. our DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they ever really were missing. I think that they were always identified as extraterrestrial. And it was just something that people didn't want to talk about. Right, right. So what do you have another uh, hypothesis as to why some people never actually have an alien encounter, whereas other people tend to have multiple encounters? Well, okay, there was the um, original deal with uh, Dwight Eisenhower and the extraterrestrials that he supposedly had a contract with that he had said that they could abduct 250,000 GIs, generally enlisted military boys and girls. And the reason that they told them we just abducted these ones because they showed a great interest in our species was so that they could dual track them so that they would know which ones are being abducted and they'll be able to track them from their whole lives because once you're in the military, you're always going to get some type of check or benefit and they always know where you are. Okay. So they can dual track you quite easily. And so there's those abductions because those were the original ones, but then there are others that um, have a strong DNA that might make it easier for the alignment that's trying to create the hybridization program, which is they say to infiltrate um, our human race. They are, want to use their super intelligence in our conscious mind and be embodied. It's very difficult. It's very complicated and it's hard for us to say, but I think that any of the extraterrestrials that are doing the abduction might not be extraterrestrials at all. And that in fact, there is a possibility that they could be demonic or jinn. They're just races of entities that vibrate at a different level. Right. They're very intelligent. Doesn't mean they don't use technology. You know, so we have to look at it from that perspective mm -hmm. so that we can understand their psychology. Absolutely. Yeah, and without um, giving them our power. <laughs> right. That's key. That's absolutely key. So I, I really love that answer because you're saying that it's possible that it can be some other type of being. That's what we're still trying to find out. That's why we're doing all these studies. That's why we have all these organizations. That's why we're collecting data. We're trying to find the truth behind what's really happening. Right. I mean, and what it looks like is, is what everybody is saying. And is it that? We can't say definitively. We just mm -hmm. simply can't. Even I've had my experience. I've had it, uh, luckily, got to counter them with very beautiful ones too and only mm -hmm. had a limited negative one but at least it in my mind 
allowed me to see the existence of this type of of being. Mm -hmm. And and extraterrestrials are known to lie. And I got to tell you, in my business, and especially in the last year, I get people coming in suffering from a multitude of different types of stress. You know, some chemtrails are like chemtrails are freaking them out. They don't think they're natural. There's nothing they can do about it. So what do they do? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get these people coming, moving through their own transitional phase of awakening. They're learning uh, a different type of reality. And I get these people who believe that they have some type of attachment and that, and it's an entity attachment and mm-hmm. that it's a negative one. And they had, or they think that they're having conversations with an extraterrestrial and they're coming to me saying, oh yeah, I have a, co- I'm a contactee and I talk to this ET all the time. And I'm like, you talk to this ET all the time. Well, who is this extraterrestrial? And they'll give me a, a name like Jacob. I'm like, really? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, so it really isn't an extraterrestrial at all. Um, and we can usually find out that it's uh, some type of other entity oh, who yeah. is just manipulating the the human. Fan- that's fantastic There's- because, I mean, that to me, if I heard that, my immediate, um, where I would go immediately is, oh, that's a disembodied spirit. That's someone who's lived in human form. They're deceased and they're contacting you for some reason or another. Yeah, but, you know, they're not going to stay with you all the time right. talking to you just as clearly as we hear each other. And that's how they express it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes there's different um, accents there's, and male or female voices. And they're as clear as you and I speaking right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I don't go to the spirit world initially. I think radionics or psychotronics. Mm-hmm that there's some type of a wave being penetrated and that there's some type of a psychological mind control experiment, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, I, I just have to put them all out there and look at it because so many of these situations have turned out to be one or the other. And I, I'm not even really shocked anymore. I'm disappointed a lot, mm. uh, to be honest, but I'm not shocked at uh, I've had people come to me that believe that they're targeted individuals of some type of you know electromagnetic warfare and they're and they're they're truly suffering mm-hmm. I mean they are truly suffering I had I'll just tell you quickly I had mm-hmm. one quite older man and he said his life is just ruined he's always hearing these clicking and knocking sounds in his house and um, he gets these weird vibrations in his feet, and it really hurts. And sometimes it hurts his spine. And he's gone to every doctor, and he's seeing a psychologist. And he told the psychologist, he convinced the the doctor to come to his house and hear for himself. And if he didn't hear them, that he was going to take whatever you know drugs they were going to prescribe. Wow. So the doctor came to his house, and sure enough. He heard what the man had described, and then it started happening in the doctor's office, and the doctor oh my had goodness. to move. And so, for some reason, this man is some type of a targeted individual. Wow! And then there's also the people who believe, like Melinda Leslie and many others, that they have military laboratory abductions, my lab mm-hmm. abductions, where they are an abductee, and that 
after that, they, they're abducted then by some branch of what's supposed to be the United States government. Mm -hmm. And they're brain drained again, trying to find out everything that happened to them so that they can gather their information and insight on the extraterrestrials. Wow. Now, Lori, you have a book that is coming out this year, I believe, uh, Extraterrestrial Interference. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a combination of uh, firsthand experiences at mine, at my mother's, and then one of my grandmother's. And it's mixed with all of the research. So it will have the statistics and the indicators of abduction. Uh, protocol, different categories of abduction, and then in cases like true hypnotherapy, case studies of extraterrestrial abduction. Um, so it's got quite a bit in it. It's pretty thick. It sitting here right beside me. I printed it out off the computer because I had told my husband something might be hacked. Something's happening, and uh, I think my computer's going to crash. And sure enough. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. So you saved the you saved the transcript the, the manuscript. So yeah, we have everything. Excellent. And so that'll be out this year. Now, yes. for people who have really resonated with your message tonight, they'd like to to hear more from you, or perhaps they would even like to be able to join your Sacramento Alien Abduction and Contactee Support Group, or come to you for a hypnotherapy session, or find out more about some experiences or alien contact that they're going through, they, they might want to reach out to you about that. How do people find you? Really, the best way to find me is to just go directly to my website, trueyouhypnotherapy.com, and everything is on there, uh, events, upcoming workshops, or speaking engagements. It's a little bit behind, actually, on the upcoming speaking engagements. Okay. But <laughs> I know what that's like, believe me. <laughs> I, yeah, I am not a webmaster. Okay, I so hear you. It's a lot of work, but, but you can always get a hold of me directly through my website. Fantastic. So I just want to thank you again, Lori, for being with us this evening and sharing fascinating experiences and, and information with us about what's going on in the alien abductee and, and extraterrestrial contact world. And I uh, would like to invite you back in the future because I think we just scratched the surface here. I'd like to really dive down into some actual experiences and, and talk about what people are going through. I would love to come back. Thank you. Fantastic. So I, again, I just really thank you for being here. It was a real pleasure. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. And Transpersonal Radio listeners, I want to make sure that you go to Lori's website. I will put that in the show notes on the Transpersonal Radio website. So you'll be able to find her. Uh, Lori McDonald of True You Hypnotherapy was our guest this evening. And uh, she is just going about her business. She's got so many things going on. She has a support group up there. So if you have had uh, contactee experience or you've had an alien abduction experience and you'd like to join her support group she is in sacramento in northern california she is also available for hypnotherapy sessions if you feel that you have had an experience that you need help with she is available for that and she is also doing work with the uh, new uh, or with excuse me not new it's been around for a while but she's new doing work with the free uh, the foundation for extraterrestrial uh, research. So make sure you find out more about that 
uh, by going to her website, which I will connect from Transpersonal Radio. So again, as always, until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or like our page, facebook.com/transpersonalradio.